This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America, and welcome to another session of Word of the Lord. I'm Jeff Lord, a.k.a. Jeffrey Lord, here in Lordsville. And I thought today we'd talk a little bit about the cancel culture. And perhaps I will start with an old story. That would be uh, my departure from CNN. Departure being a euphemism for get your tail fired, (laughs) which is, of course, exactly what happened to me. And frankly, uh, since I don't think about this every day, all day, uh, it hadn't really occurred to me that what happened to me was an early version of what we call the cancel culture. And I'll come back in a second to uh, a little bit of that with Barry Weiss from the New York Times and Andrew Sullivan from New York Magazine. But uh, let me just start with uh, my old story, how I got there in the first place. I had, from time to time, as I wrote columns, been on CNN uh, and Fox, somebody named Sean Hannity. I had been on his show several times. With the CNN situation, I had been on, uh, I had written a column supporting Lou Dobbs. This was back in 2009. And he, at that point, was uh, a regular on CNN. He had been there for the founding of the network with Ted Turner. And he was under pressure from a group of church leaders, including my own church nationally, the United Church of Christ, which is extremely liberal at the top level. And uh, I happened to be both president of my church council. Uh, My church is not so liberal. (laughs) And we're descended from the Congregationalists, the Pilgrims. And so the, the rule of thumb is that every individual church runs itself. So the national church is not empowered to speak for all the members, but they had ginned up this campaign called So We Might See. Along with themselves, there were seven denominations involved, Catholic bishops, um, I think Methodists or Lutherans, there were others involved. And what it was, they sent out a letter to the uh, Federal Communications Commission asking that Rush Limbaugh be taken off the air because of hate speech. And uh, they listed a whole bunch of other people. Bill O'Reilly, I think, was one of them, but certainly Lou Dobbs was one of them. And they had a link on their site to what was then called the Drop Dobbs campaign. So I wrote this up from a First Amendment perspective and said that this was not permissible uh, you know, in America and churches shouldn't be involved in this and went into my church and, uh, you know, all of this. And, uh, I heard from Lou Dobbs and, uh, he had me on his radio show and then asked if I would come to New York where he was on CNN to do his TV show and discuss this. So I said, sure. So off I go to New York, my first time being in the CNN headquarters, which was off of uh, Columbus Circle. I I don't know if we're supposed to say circle now. Um, Went upstairs, was taken upstairs to a place I've now been hundreds of times. And uh, what really astounded was there I am in the green room with the other guests, one of whom was DeRoy Murdoch, as I recall, from National Review. And Lou comes in to say hello 
shakes hands all around us. Then he goes into his studio and where we're going to go one at a time for our different interviews on different topics. And so we're watching him open his show on the television monitor in the green room. You know, this is Lou Dobbs. This is CNN. And he says, before I begin the news, I want to make an announcement. This will be my last night on CNN. And he quits right there on live television. I mean, that was his last show. He, he did the entire show. But the reason he quit was because he had been pressured and CNN had been pressured by groups that didn't like his position on illegal immigration. And he, frankly, had had enough of it. So when it was my turn, I go into the studio and somebody's posted this on YouTube and the look on my face says it all. I mean, I look like the proverbial deer in the headlights. And I said, Lou, before we started, I said, Lou, I'm not sure what to say. And he says, well, don't worry, we'll think of something. Well, so then we talk about free speech and, and you know, is America still a free country? There was a movie that was uh, getting ready to be made, one of these big spectacular event movies uh, with all kinds of destruction. And the story had come out that uh, it showed the Vatican being destroyed along with, you know, the White House, the Capitol and all this kind of thing. But they didn't want to touch Islam <laughs> because they were afraid that if they did, somebody would come after the director and the stars of the movie and all this kind of thing. Uh, and I said that people have to be able to have the right to make the movies they want, to have the talk shows they want, to have the television shows that they want, that that's what freedom of speech and is all about. So that was sort of my introduction to CNN. Move ahead uh, about six years later, and I had gotten to know someone named Donald Trump. And I'd interviewed him. I'd flown on one of his smaller planes with him and spent time with him. I'd been up in Trump Tower, uh, all of this, gotten to know him. So he announced he comes down that famous escalator in Trump Tower in June of 2015. And... Uh, is often running for president. He does a couple interviews in July, I guess it was towards the end of July. He does one with um, Katie Tour from MSNBC. And she says to him, you know, there are Republicans uh, in the media and the conservative media that don't like you. And she mentioned Jonah Goldberg, George Will, the late Charles Krauthammer. And he sort of does his Trumpian thing with each of them. And he uh, says, but then you're, you're not going to ask me about the ones who like me, are you? Well, she didn't. So he gives it a pass. And the next interview up is with Anderson Cooper at CNN. And the subject doesn't come up. But when the interview is over, he says, you know, every time you have me on, you follow me up with Bush guys who hate me. Why don't you ever have somebody on who likes me? And they said, who? <laughs> and he names me. Now, all of this is unknowns to me, right? And I'm sitting uh, here at home in my office writing another column yet again, and the phone rings, and it's CNN. And they explain that uh, Mr. Trump suggested we call you, et cetera. Can you, can you come on, you know, on the radio? Can you call in to Brooke Baldwin's show in about a half hour? Sure, I can do that. Okay, then they call back. Can you come in? When we we uh, we can get satellite time for the local from the local PBS station. Can you go over there and be on tonight with Aaron Burnett? Sure. So I do that, and then 
the next the next night, <laughs> I I send a note uh, to his office, to Donald Trump's office, and said, "Well, this is what happened, et cetera, et cetera." And he writes back, um, "If Anderson Cooper's, if Anderson Cooper calls, I suggest you say yes." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, right. <laughs> That's going to happen. Of course it is." Well, sure enough, CNN calls and wants me on Anderson's show that night. So I did it. This goes on for about two weeks. And I come home from the studio one night and uh, there is a message in my email to please call right away. They want to hire me as a commentator. So uh, I do. And there I was now for the uh, rest of the campaign. And I had a great time, I have to say. I don't have any ill feeling toward them. Um, it, it, the way things evolved, at CNN, as with the country, is that Donald Trump took took off. And I think uh, I was the only person, I'd written my first column about him as a potential presidential candidate in June of 2013, never ignore Donald Trump. And uh, I think that a lot of people at CNN, as elsewhere, they weren't certainly alone in this, just thought, well, it's a novelty, it's amusing, it gets good ratings, He's obviously never going to win. Well, then he does start to win. And then an interesting thing began to happen. I began to realize, and of course, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the debate and the mix-up and all of that kind of thing. But I began to realize I was on these panels eight to one, <laughs> where, where it was everybody against me on the subject of Donald Trump. Well, this sort of became a thing. And eventually I was joined by someone named, hmm, what was her name? Kaylee something, Kaylee McEnany, my pal Kaylee. And so it was the two of us for the longest time. And then eventually they had Paris Denard uh, came in towards the, towards the end. So we had a high old time with all of this. Now, how did I uh, wind up getting myself dispatched from CNN? I wrote a column about Media Matters. Uh, media Matters has this thing about going after, uh, first of all, they despise Fox News and they despise everyone on Fox News. And so they were at that point, now this is August of 2017, they were leading yet another campaign to strip uh, a Fox host. In this case, it was Sean Hannity, but they'd done it with Tucker Carlson. They've done it with Rush Limbaugh, who of course is not on Fox, but has got his own show. Um, and this particular one happened to be Sean Hannity. So I, I wrote a column referring to them as the media matters fascists going after, um, Sean Hannity and wrote the whole thing up and quoted them at length about how, uh, the president, the president of media matters said that they were going to, um, burn quote unquote, his word, um, Sean's advertisers. And I quoted him at length. And then I also did a little riff on the First Amendment, <clears throat> starting to get into trouble here. And uh, I imagined how they would rewrite the First Amendment. And I did it in such a fashion that uh, I modeled it, actually, on things that I learned from reading about uh, Mussolini's Italian uh, fascist party. And that uh, in those days, they decreed that the government 
would be responsible for, would run basically. And of course, there was no television in the 1920s and 30s, but all radio broadcasts, all newspapers, everything had to be run by the government. So I rewrote the First Amendment in that style. And then at the end, I said, the American spectator has been unable to determine if the final two words of this draft were Sig Heil. <laughs> so uh, I wrote that and it, it ran on a Monday. And on a Wednesday, as I recall, I'm in the car on my way to CNN in a CNN car. I'm in New Jersey. I can see the, uh, the skyline of New York and I get this call saying that I was fired. And why was I fired? Because I had gone back and forth with the head of media matters. And I mentioned that part of the column to him and they complained. They were very close, at least at that point, And I suspect they still are very closely intertwined with CNN. Uh, they didn't like the column. That was abundantly clear. I asked if uh, they had read the entire column they CNN. And they said, yes. And I said, you know, and there was a second one in which I challenged the president of media matters and he had objected to some things and I published his, his objections, you know, verbatim. And I said, you know, we still believe in free speech in this country. This is not the uh, communist Soviet union. This is not uh, Mao's China. This is not uh, Nazi Germany, etc." Yes. They'd read that too. I was fired. <laughs> Okay, so the, the limousine turned around and brought me back, and uh, that was it. Um, it. It was an interesting experience, but, you know, other than in the heat of the moment, you know, you go on, and I certainly have gone on in life to other things. What's brought this to mind, uh, oh, and the reason, I, I should say the reason I did the Sig Heil thing is because I certainly knew at that point that the head of Media Matters uh, and Media Matters in general had had uh, some serious problems with anti-Semitism. Um, Alan Dershowitz had called them out on this uh, and said flatly that they were they crossed the line into anti-Semitism. Um, the president of the group had uh, been discovered to have written blog posts in which he talked about somebody was okay despite being Jewy uh, or despite his Jewry um, had talked about Jewish gold. I mean pretty blatant stuff out there, which is what drew my comparison and why I specifically selected that. So, okay, fine. So, so that's what, what, 2017. And I hadn't really thought about this much lately until uh, the last week when I saw this letter from Barry Weiss of the New York Times, the resignation letter from her. And I just want to read just a little bit of it. She said, my own forays into wrong think have made me the subject of constant bullying by colleagues who disagree with my views. They have called me a Nazi and a racist. I have learned to brush off comments about how I'm, quote, writing about the Jews again, unquote. Several colleagues perceived to be friendly with me were badgered by coworkers. My work and my character are openly demeaned on company-wide Slack channels where masthead editors regularly weigh in. And on she goes. And then Andrew Sullivan, not many days after this, uh, the publication of this resignation letter from Barry Weiss, Andrew Sullivan is a conservative columnist over at New York Magazine. And he suddenly is dispatched 
And New York Magazine these days is owned by Vox, the liberal left-wing group there. And Andrew writes, what has happened, I think, is relatively simple. A critical mass of the staff and management at New York Magazine and Vox Media no longer want to associate with me. Well, I thought to myself, where have I seen this show before? And the obvious answer was with myself. And when I was dispatched, uh, when I was fired, um, it was written up, of course, this got all kinds of attention, and it was written up, among other places, in the Daily Beast. And uh, they quoted, of course, an anonymous source at CNN to say that I had gotten nasty and, uh, you know, and ugly and things. And all I was doing was defending Donald Trump. I mean, you know, I had no office problems. I liked everybody, had a lot of respect for them. Uh, you know, I was on all of their shows. I disagreed with, you know, Don Lemon, but I found him to be a perfect gentleman. Uh, you know, I really liked him. Uh, I spent so much time on Anderson Cooper's show that I began to think of it like a second family. <laughs> it was so, um, it was so often and regular that I was there and we were having these debates. Uh, but when I listened to, when I went back now and, and listened to that description of me, uh, I found it remarkably similar to what Barry Weiss is saying and remarkably similar to what Andrew Sullivan is saying. And I, I, then I just started looking around and I found right off the bat two examples from this last week. Here's one from a Michigan, from Michigan, a Michigan, uh, I'll read this uh, a little bit of this from the Washington Examiner. A Michigan high school teacher and baseball coach claims he was fired for tweeting that, quote, Trump is our president, unquote. That's it. That's all he tweeted. And he worked for the school district in Michigan. And he says, I was required to meet with human resources, the superintendent of schools, and my principal. They initially took my statement on why I tweeted those tweets, and they told me they would have a decision about my future employment in the upcoming days. When they completing the meeting, I was told I had the option to either be fired or resign. And then you go out to California, and uh, this was a story on Fox News. The headline, Cancel Culture War, San Diego State University. Mull's revoking professor emeritus status over conduct. In other words, if you tweet something out or you say something uh, after you were professor emeritus, or they find out that you did something long before you were professor emeritus or even a professor, they reserve the right to just take away your status and, in essence, fire you. This, to be blunt, is crazy. This is crazy. And, uh, you know, as I say, this, this began, I began to notice this with Media Matters and wanting to, to do in Fox News. And then, you know, they would work their way through with their individual anchors. And then, of course, it was Rush Limbaugh, et cetera. This is what they want to do, which is, which is, I call it the new American fascism. They want to take over everything. You must behave in a certain way. You must think in a certain way. And if you don't, they're coming for you. And uh, the latest round has been with Tucker Carlson. And, uh, you, you know, this is, this is just unacceptable. So all I can say out there is 
this is a very real problem. It affects everybody. And uh, the best thing that we can do is roll up our sleeves, make our voices as uh, well heard as they can be to be loud and resolute and not give an inch to these folks. Um, because what they have in mind is nothing good. Okay, that's it. That's the view of uh, Jeffrey Lord in Lordsville. Goodbye, America, and we'll talk again soon. I promise. Thank you.